Thank you for joining with us for another episode of Morning Briefings here on the Pipeline Intercession for the President and on our podcast. If you have any dreams that you have about the office of the president, please send them to pip at christiancentershreveport.com. We're so thankful that you all have joined in with us on this prayer journey, and we look forward to standing with you not only today, but in the days ahead. So with that, we'll go ahead and join today's broadcast as we talk about the news and stand on the wall for this nation and the office of the president. Good morning, good morning, everyone. Zach Arsketing coming to you live from North Carolina, and what a blessing it is to be back with each and every one of you, following in wherever you are across this great nation, across this great land, on Facebook, Rumble, YouTube, and via the podcast. We're very, very grateful for that. Hopefully you guys are able to have a very restful Labor Day as we rest on Labor Day. Uh, uh, very oxymoronic, but is much needed for myself and my family. And today we want to dive right back in to our study of restoring the covenant blessing in order to enter into the throne room boldly enter the throne room. And today we want to look at and really go over high level uh, Exodus, or no, excuse me, Numbers 33 and the story of the Israelites coming out of their journey, reviewing their journey of coming out of the wilderness from Egypt all the way to Jordan as they're on the precipice of entering into the promised land and the beginning of Exodus, or Numbers 33, goes through their journey of every step along the way, every place that they they journey to, camped at, and it just lists it item after item after item after item after item of, of where they went, um, and then eventually getting to the point of <clears throat> how the Lord spoke to Moses in telling them the law of possessing the land and about how if they didn't, in verse 55, but if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land before you, then it shall come about that those whom you let remain of them will become as pricks in your eyes and as thorns in your sides, and they will be trouble. They will trouble you in the land in which you live. And unfortunately, you see that today in the, those places in Israel where they didn't remove them, they're still there, or the spirit more so is still there. And so we say that to to look at of okay sometimes it's okay to review the past but you use it as an example of okay this is where we come where we've come from that's why it's important to know your past not to focus on it but to know it a little bit and then to use that as okay lord and, and review the promises he has for you in this case for the israelites saying you the lord has promised you this land now go out and act on it and if you see here, it wasn't just, oh, this is yours. Just walk in and take it, uh, and everyone's going to be okay. It's no, you're going to have to, you're going to have to do some acts here of faith, and uh, some violent acts of faith, and in, in, in what is seen here in the Bible, to possess the land. And so we want to today, you know, understand that there is a time to review your past. Now let's review our past as well as the promises that the Lord has for us for the future and then accelerate into that future into the promises with faith and trust that the Lord um, has destined for us to walk out. Okay, now with that mind frame, I'm going to stay with that throughout this whole um, 
episode here today because it'll hi- really highlight towards the end um, of why that's important to to go out and, and understand that. I want to first we we posted this yesterday. If you saw the news out of um, the UK, they have uh, figured out who their new prime minister will be, as it is Liz Trust who will be the new prime minister. She was appoint appointed to. Day, I think already, um, from what I can tell from news reports, and she replaces Boris Johnson, etc. And we posted um, the word from Chris Reed, and I want to say this because this is this is ever important as to where we are in this time and this season. So let me go ahead and play this. It's just a 24 uh, second clip here. I also saw a rise of women in political leadership in nations around the world. I did. I saw that. I think that you will see a woman emerge in British politics this year who will replace a current politician, and she will be very much like a uh, Margaret uh, Thatcher. And that's huge because now we're seeing this come to play. Now, the question would be is, is what else has Chris said? And we've been following these things along. Um, really having a faith and, and understanding a lot of what he said in the past has already come to true. Um, and just the relationship he has with the Lord and walks out there um, is starting to bear fruit on a bigger national scale. And so those, and that's one of the things that was being said of um, Prime Minister Trust is that she carries the same spirit of, and more so acts similar to Margaret Thatcher. So, very interesting to see here. She's also talking about tax cuts. And, and look, Britain and the UK, like they have a lot of economic issues going on. Part of it being from some of the decisions from Boris Johnson of and the entire government uh, dealing with the ramifications of Brexit and leaving the EU because there's still a lot of navigating that has to be done. And someone who, who has a backbone and understands the realities of what it's going to take to run a nation and not have it crumble as you go from globalism to national sovereignty and, and dealing with your economy in that and, and with coming out of COVID, with the government stimulus that they went through, there's a lot on the balance sheets of the book of that nation that are going to have to be corrected and someone who's going to understand that, like a Margaret Thatcher, you're going to have to take some heat for a while because People's lives in the short term are going to be rough for possibly rough for a while, but in the long, you got to look long term. Of look, yeah, but we have to go through this time in order to get to a place where we're in a position to be able to have the freedom to do things economically. And so, what it seems like is she has that now. She'll obviously need prayer for anybody in England um, for the future. Of look, it's not going to be easy. I mean, Boris Johnson, he wasn't the perfect person, but. He had some opposition of even even before him, the prime minister, who promised to take the nation out of, you know, the EU, having problems there, pushback. Again, when you go enter into a new wineskin, when you're a pioneer, the old doesn't want you to succeed because you're disrupting their way of life, and so we're we're gonna see that in UK play out, which is, I mean, you're seeing it here even with, um, in some scale, President Trump of how when he wanted to go to a place to where America hasn't been in a, quite some time, 
uh, somewhat of a political pioneer of getting America back to putting America interest first, then you have the old regime attacking him. Look at the disciples. Look at Jesus. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, when, when Jesus was coming in, saying what he was saying, the Pharisees and Sadducees wanted to take him out multiple occasions. Paul, the disciples, etc., all throughout church history. So we'll keep that in mind and understanding just you know, your pioneer doesn't mean, oh, hey, it's going to be all rainbows and unicorns and, and cotton candy clouds. Like it, There's going to be some persecution. There's going to be some disruptions and challenges that you're going to be causing as you stand into this, but ultimately understand have the grace uh, and forgiveness more so to, number one, stay in the line, hold the plumb line, but also be gracious towards those who, who they need some time to, to realize the situation, and if not, let them deal with it with the Lord. Okay. In some domestic news this week, we're seeing the House and Senate come back to Washington and make their final push for several key issues that we want to be aware of and paying attention to. Uh, in these lead up to the midterms. Uh, well, one of the big ones being a bill before the Senate to put forward a quote-unquote gay marriage, marriage equality bill, and also at the same time remove the uh, 1996 bill that uh, Bill Clinton signed, uh, Defense of Marriage Act, Um where it acknowledged that marriage is only a legal union between one man and one woman as a husband and wife. Understand this. Bill Clinton signed that. <laughs> like, just, I, I want to highlight that. Bill Clinton signed this, and they want to remove that. This is how far this country has come in really less than, well, less than 30 years. So we're... This will be a hot point of contention before the midterms because this goes back to what Todd Trahan talks about. Of When you have the church, we'll just say the church, not stand strong on marriage, it causes a divide throughout the entire nation. And you're seeing it politically, both Republican and Democrat. And the Democrats know, the progressives more so know that because the Republicans don't fully stand on this as a, a moral principle, that is easily divisive um, within them and trying to split off votes and everything for the midterm. And this is where the Republicans themselves have a huge problem because some of them are okay with gay marriage. Some of them are okay with LGBTQ type stuff, um, which is very problematic, uh, not only for the Republican Party, but more so for the the heart and spirit of this nation for standing up for biblical moral values. So those that those will be a few things. There are um, budget bills to decide what to do with the budget moving forward in the Senate. There's also the um, energy permitting bill as part of the deal the Democrats made with Joe Manchin to get him to sign on to the infrastructure and inflation budgeting bill. That they signed. There's some FDA bills going forward. There, I'm trying to cover everything. Um, there's a lot of votes coming forward on judges. And if you remember that video we just played of Chris Reed, he talked about how women would be making a more primary role 
um, in the coming days within government. Uh, there are a lot of one thing to note is there are a lot of judges that President Biden has put forward and that have been confirmed that are women. Um, so it's interesting to see that some good, some bad playing out uh, before our very eyes. So that would be, be some confirmation to what he's seeing there um, within the roles of government. Uh, we're also, as we get closer to the midterms, you're, things are going to be contentious and, and you're going to have some people be on the line of, well, should I vote for this? Should I not vote for that? Especially when it comes to things like gay marriage um, and a, a whole host of things. And one thing to note about these bills that have to be passed, most of they're going to have to be passed with a 60-vote threshold. So you're going to have to have some Republicans and Democrats come together, and there's believed to, there's believed to be right now a confirmed three Republicans who are yes on the gay marriage issue, Susan Collins, Rob Portman of Ohio, and Tom Tillis, who's retiring. Um in, oh no, no, he's not retiring. Um, out of North Carolina, it's an, the other senator is retiring in North Carolina. Uh, so these are these are things to be well aware of heading into the final push for the midterms, and this will really give a test of where this nation is at morally, but also politically as far as do these politicians have a resolve to do what is in the best interest of the people or themselves, um, and some of these votes are more so in the best interest of themselves moving ahead. Now, I want to bring this article up. These are, I'm going to look at seven races in the Senate that are predictors, I guess you could say, key markers when they come forward and when the results of these come forward that will possibly, I'm not saying 100%, possibly show how the rest of the prime midterms will possibly fall out. Now, these are seven races that are uphill battles for some for Democrats, some for Republicans, but could possibly show the changing political spectrum and then also who has a hold, and what type of policies Americans want to go forward with. And the first one being the um, New York 19th District that has historically um, been Democrat, but Republicans have a, a long shot. And in, in Pennsylvania, the 8th District, Ohio, the 1st District, uh, Connecticut, the 5th District, Virginia, the 2nd, Minnesota the second, Washington the eighth district. These all these districts have a margin that could go a victory that could go either way, and most of these have leaned Democrat in the past. Some Republican, um, but what would be interesting is is the reason he the um, journalist here Max Greenwood points these out is because if it goes Republican or Democrat. It really shows the strength of policies that Americans want. What, what what future do the American people truly want? Do they want to continue going down this socialist, totalitarian government regime that we've been on for the past two years? Um, or do we want to put a halt to that and put 
politicians in place who are going to have the best interest of this nation, somewhat have the best interest of this nation, or just put people in to kind of combat that of President Biden to kind of hamper him. And it it's it's the Normandy, you could say, of the midterms. These are the, 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 the Normandies of the midterms that if you can show – and what's interesting about a lot of these, it's um, – most of these are on the East Coast, Virginia, Pennsylvania, New York, Connecticut, Ohio, and, and, and then you have Minnesota and Washington are on the East Coast. So if you can – if those can show they're going one way then that's going to determine the rest of the night come November. Because what ha- what ends up happening is, okay, New York closes, Virginia closes, or wherever, on the east, that's time for the rest of the party, out west, central, wherever, to make their play in determining how things will play out, how much they need to try to get people to go out and vote, et cetera, stuff like that. So these will be kind of tipping points in either direction for both parties of where to go, and if, if you live in these districts, take authority, take prayer, join with other believers, um, find ways to get involved in, in the process, get registered, uh, um, things such as that. And, and so we just want to point these these seven districts out of showing, look, these will be places to pay attention to uh, come midterm night to see, okay, which way will it go? Will it Will it go more more red or blue? Just to understand the dynamics of what is possibly to come, uh, come the midterms. As you're seeing a lot of the stories come out about now how the January 6th committee, because it believes things are going to go Republican, they're kind of dying off, which it's already pretty much dead anyways. They have no legal authority to begin with, but is you're seeing a lot of things play out Um there and this will be interesting to see if we want to be sober and aware about what's happening these are some places to, to key factors to pay pay attention to and then uh kind of on a oxymoronic note um something that is is very interesting is you have uh congressman jamie raskin whose wife remember was supposed to be up for uh, fed chair and came out on CBS's Face the Nation and talked about how MAGA Republicans and those who embrace standing against political elections um, outcomes of how they are now deemed uh, fascists, uh, semi-fascist, and he he came out and said that, but then there's also the fact of um, he himself in the past has come out and said these things, and then there is this clip from Hillary Clinton, which we just – we have you to – You can run the best campaign. You can even become the nominee. And you can have the election stolen from you. And nothing was said, and there's there's no problem with somebody like Hillary saying that. Part of this video here uh, has Kamala Harris on um, a morning radio show with Charlamagne God where talking about Russian disinformation, getting involved in the election, and it's okay for them to do it. And it's 10 minutes of uh, politicians from Nancy Pelosi to former President Jimmy Carter, uh, John Kerry, um, others involved, Dick Durbin, Howard Dean, I mean, multiple Hillary Clinton, Jimmy Carter. Kamala Harris has gone on and and talked about how they don't believe in the results of the last election. So it's just kind of, I point that out to just have a chuckle. 
uh, today. It's pretty hilarious to see him come out and say that. Uh, and then last thing, I want to kind of round out with this, is we're seeing now the full ramifications of the student loan forgiveness process. We pointed this out because um, this is this one's kind of going unnoticed where, yes, you have the 10000 and 20000 Yes, hypocrisy is very, very thick uh, with these people. It's just something to be fully aware of. But um, back to the student loan forgiveness, you see the ten and, and 20000 but part of this that's going unnoticed is for the – it's the – public service loan forgiveness program where <laughs> what's amazing the american federation of teachers unions is basically taking credit for this and there's one teacher that got out of four hundred and fifty thousand dollars in student why would a teacher have four hundred and fifty thousand dollars like my mind is boggling over just going crazy over how does a teacher have that much but then also the fact that Teachers and, and public service, people who work in the public service, and there is a, a argument of, okay, well, they're, they're knowingly taking lower-paying jobs to help out society, which that's completely up for debate of whether some of them are even useful to society to begin with on a, a natural standpoint of view. But the fact is, is that, look, this is adding to the student loan crisis, and we've seen this uh, chart here before where most of the people, um, what, what ends up happening here will somehow try to figure out how to get a public service loan and maybe they'll work in public service for the first 10 years. And then after they hit that 10-year mark, it becomes taxpayer um, responsibility. They only have to pay the premiums. Uh, and when you look at the analysis of this, it'll show, it shows that in reality is someone now will currently only have to pay around 17, 18% and then the rest of it will be repaid by um, the federal government. I point that out because this is part of the problem. You also have um, some of the analysis on this student loan forgiveness being upwards of a trillion dollars, which it possibly could go even higher, uh, just knowing how the government programs work and knowing more people will probably end up going to schools, higher paying schools, take out stu federal student loans, knowing that the, the government's going to pay it back. And I want to round out with this is because we're seeing this, we have to be aware of this is you're seeing now people who have been asking for student loan forgiveness, realizing that, and this is a great article from the nation of outlining that look they've they just like those who have been standing for life in the roe v wade debate they real those who stand for life realize we have momentum in this season those who stand for student loan forgiveness realize they have momentum now that president biden's doing this is that if as if you're loud if you're the loudest one in the room for long enough, eventually someone will hear you out and and and, and listen to you as more people gain um, sympathy for you, number one, but then also join your resolution. And people like a Bernie Sanders are realizing this, and 
possibly realizing this on multiple levels. And the question becomes is, number one, as a nation, can we stand up against this and realize the detriment that this is going to cause? But more so of, let's look back at our history, review our past, and not just as an individual nation, but as, as a mass of people throughout the world. And in order to do that, and a lot of people have been doing this, is looking back towards World War II, the Nazis, Soviets, etc. But let's take a step back into what we talked about last week. This is where our findings from last week are, are very troubling and why we really need to repent of, look at where pastors stand currently, on understanding the biblical worldview, and this from the uh, pastoral position, whereas we see here the top 37% of what all pastors um, but to combine together, then going, you know, breaking it down from there, from seniority to lowest level. And then you look at this chart that we pointed out last week of where do they look at on certain issues. And there's really only one issue of understanding their purpose and calling comes from God and where they understand a biblical worldview that they fully stand on that. And that's only from senior pastors, senior leaders, whereas the rest, it is very far behind. Like we're not even above 50% on most of this stuff. This is, and we talked about how the redemptive purpose of this is that, okay, now we know, now it's time to do something about it. And I think it's, it's interesting how this aligns. I didn't plan it this way. Uh, this is the Holy Spirit working this stuff out long ago when Chuck wrote this book and, and and knowing the events of the day, like I wish I was this smart uh, to align everything like this. But my reason of stating that is because when we look back at what happened in, in Germany with the Nazis and what happened in Eastern Europe, the Soviet bloc and in Russia was that the church then didn't stand for biblical moral values. They didn't stand on the foundations of scripture and therefore were easily persuaded to abandon them and to do whatever the national leaders at the time wanted them to say. Understand, talked about it several times, is Hitler used the Lutheran church and the churches of Germany to publicize his Nazi ideologies through the Lutheran church through their anti-Semitic dogma that they had already, and just used it. Same thing in the Soviet Union. The weakness of the church in general, whether it's Catholic, Presbyterian, whatever sect of denomination that there was, was able to be used, and, and because they didn't stand and have a backbone in standing for biblical moral values, they didn't walk out the scriptures and weren't prepared for it. And to come around about on that is that look at what God used going back to Jesus. He used what would be considered a lay people, people who didn't have the theological understanding. And then I'm not saying that that's bad to have. I mean, I'm wearing our Olive School ministry shirt because we want to make sure people have somewhat of an understanding. But I digress and say this is that, look, God can use whoever he wants. 
Now look at Paul. He had the theological background and then he got transformed through an encounter with the Holy Spirit and Jesus more so specifically. And look at what he became on to do. Wrote pretty much most of the, the New Testament. I'm not sure the exact percentage, but he wrote most of the New Testament and influenced the church in a very, very positive way. And, and But let's understand this, is God will use whoever he wants. And in today's term, understanding of where the church lies, as we look at these statistics, is if this is true, then we as a nation and, and as a people and a body of Christ, we need to repent for where this church is. Number one, pray for our leaders. Pray that they get a backbone. Or if they're not it, ask God to remove them and put in people who will stand and will have a backbone for that. And I want to read this portion of a book called Live Not by Lies, where an author reviewed and asked questions to people who came out of the Soviet bloc in their understanding. And one of the findings for sociologists of religion in America is that they have come up with a term to describe where American church is at in today and calling it the moralistic therapeutic deism, which describes where the church is at in today um, in contemporary Christianity in saying that this idea of the moralistic therapeutic deism consists of the general belief that God exists and wants nothing more from us than to be nice and to be happy. And this goes back to what John West has been talking about a lot lately of transformation versus inspiration. And what their socialists of religion are showing are that, and some of these studies are showing, e even with Barna here, is that the gospel has been trans <laughs> it's been transformed into an ins from inspiration to inspiration. And, and and so when you have an inspirational gospel, it's just, okay, cool, great, got it. That's what we should strive to. But nothing about, hey, let's turn, let's transform from what we are, which is what repentance is, into what the Lord would have us. Remove ourselves and remove the sin in us, away out of us, so that we can follow and go after Christ wholeheartedly with a passion in order to see a transformation come about in this nation. And studying some of the church history throughout 1930s, early 1900s, going into the Soviet Union and Germany, is that there was, they were in the same position we were at, and, and some in a worse position than we are at. But because they didn't believe in the transformational power of the Holy Spirit and, and other things, didn't want to walk out foundational biblical scriptural knowledge throughout their life and stand up for it is that's how they were able to be tra transformed into what the state wanted and if we're not careful as a church and as a society here in the states we're headed down that road and that's why we want to pray for things like you know our our political leaders to not go for the bernie sanders agenda agenda that will cripple the next three or four generations of giving um, money to those who aren't even willing to work and then also repent for the church of america and pray that they come leaders come back be humble and realize like the, the, the barna study show that where they're at theologically is not in line with what scripture says 
and that hopefully they can come back and return to standing on biblical foundations. And understanding this is that God will use whoever he wants to use. Someone has a humble, repentant heart. Like the disciples, they were not perfect like Paul, who was literally going around and crucifying the church at the time and transformed him. And that's why we pray for those in the enemy's camp, as Rick Joyner talked about. And that's where they're coming from is because if you can take someone who has a passion to do that, transform them, heal them, give them some bit of knowledge <laughs> via the Holy Spirit, then they're transformed to go out and to be able to walk out the promises and accelerate what the Lord has for them in their lives and the destiny of America. And so, through all this that's coming about this week in the coming months is knowing that, look, it's a time of, yes, we're praying for revival, we're hoping for that, but the reality is, is praying for a repentant, humble heart for the church more specifically, because as we're seeing here, as we study history, we review the past, we see that if the church doesn't have a backbone, if the church doesn't stand up for biblical moral values, this is being led on where we're potentially going is being led on by the church and we can't blame anybody else but ourselves we can we can say it's a politician we can say it's this person that person whatever but unless we're able to look at ourselves in the eye in the mirror per se and, and repent from where we've gone astray look just because we're not the ones doing it doesn't mean that we can't take authority and repent for it and 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 to say that well i've never We've probably done it some point in our life in some area where we need to repent for it. And I am reviewing that in my heart, asking God to examine my heart as David would to remove those things so that I can be more in line with what the Lord has for me. And hopefully you guys can are doing that as well uh, and can be open to what the Lord has and how he can use you to be a minister um, to those around you, whether it be just your family, maybe just at your job your city, your state, wherever God has placed you in to give you authority to be that light for the kingdom. So with that, I want to end today. Thank you to everyone for following along. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share. Leave a five-star review. It really help us share and spread the word. And we'll be back tomorrow continuing, standing, and praying for the office of the president. Blessings, and I'll see you guys later. Have a good one.